Be Christ's church. Impact the valley. Reach the world. All for the glory of King Jesus. Welcome to the North Roanoke podcast. Today, our lead pastor, Daniel Palmer, will be opening God's word for us. Our prayer is that you will encounter the living Lord as you hear his word proclaimed. Today is a little different. We've been in the book of Acts and we'll be back in the book of Acts. We will not uh, neglect to finish that incredible book. But today uh, is the first sermon in something I am calling, along with your fundraising committee, the Treasure Jesus Initiative. The Treasure Jesus Initiative. So if you have your copy of God's Word, Would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, and would you just hold your place there, because this will be probably the world's longest sermon intro, all right? The words we are about to consider when we finally get to them from Matthew 6 are situated in the passage called the Sermon on the Mount, so they're a part of Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. And, and Jesus' words astound people. You get to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and the conclusion is they recognize that Jesus had an authority that nobody else had. They're like, who is this guy? He is, he's bringing some heat we haven't heard before. He's got an authority uh, that we have to stand before. And, and we get later in the Sermon on the Mount, the, the parable of the The person who builds his house on the sandy land and the parable of the person who builds his house on the rock. And and the conclusion of that is, if you hear the words of the one who has authority and you don't build your house upon them, then it's like building your house on the sand. There was a a song that I learned growing up, is don't build your house on the sandy land. Don't build your house on the shore. So Jesus is going to give us some words in this sermon that we can stake our lives on, that we can build our house upon. A few weeks ago, Ethan made the case uh, from the book of Philippians, and he is right, that a Christian has a distinct mentality. She treasures Jesus. He treasures Jesus. Jesus is her aim, her pursuit, her goal, her delight, her very Life. This is the life of a Christian. It's one who delights in Jesus, one who treasures Jesus. This, this language of treasuring Jesus was not something that really hit me until my time at Southeastern Seminary. And it's interesting because it's very biblical language, as we'll see in Matthew chapter 6. This isn't language that Daniel made up. It's not language that your fundraising committee made up. It's right out of the heart of God as expressed in Matthew chapter 6. But this, this language of treasuring Jesus really hit me one day when I was at Southeastern Seminary studying for pastoral ministry. I met this team of people planting a church in Raleigh called Treasuring Christ Church. That's who we are. We treasure Jesus, treasuring Christ church. Now, I'm not proposing that we change the name of North Roanoke. I love our name. But in a world where churches are identified by their programs, oh, that's the live nativity church. 
or their worship style. Oh, that's where the music is loud and the lights are low and the smoke is thick. Or by their lead pastor. Oh, that's so-and-so's church. In that moment, it was so clarifying. I just met some people who wanted to build a church that was committed to treasuring the one who built the church in the first place, the Lord Jesus Christ. We just want to treasure Jesus. That, that name was intentional and it was beautiful. We're going to be a church. We're going to build a church. We're going to stake our lives on being a people who treasure Jesus. With that name, they were saying our mission and our ambition and our consuming desire is not to please ourselves. And it's not even to attract people as much as we would love people to come. That is secondary to just treasuring Jesus and letting Jesus do the rest. Over the next four Sundays... I am asking the Holy Spirit and have been asking Him for some time to do a deep, profound work in our church such that we would be a church that treasures Jesus. My, my prayer is that when people think of North Roanoke, they wouldn't say that's Daniel's church. They wouldn't say that's the church with the kicking program. They wouldn't say that that's the church that used to do this. When people think of North Roanoke, they'd say that's the church with people who treasure Jesus. Of course, that raises a question. What does it look like to treasure Jesus? How would they know that we treasure Jesus? In our minds, I suspect many of us already know the answers, right? They're the, the Sunday school answers. It, it looks like following Jesus with heart-driven obedience. Jesus says in John 14, 15, if you love me, slash treasure me, you will what? Keep my commandments. When we treasure Jesus, then what do we do? What has he commanded us to do? We pray. We prepare for, prize, and participate in congregational worship. We don't sideline being with the people of God regularly as a congregation in our lives. We, we plant our lives in a church where we strive for gospel-based fellowship and work for the progress of the gospel deep into our lives and out in our, into our community. We serve our church. We share the gospel wherever the Lord gives us opportunity. We confess our sins to one another and forgive one another as much as 77 times 7. We hear the word. We meditate on the word. We memorize the word. We live the word. And we do this, why? Not because we want to have a checklist and impress ourselves with our good deeds. Why do we do these things? Because we have found true treasure. And these are the means that God has given us to know and enjoy the one who is treasure, the living Lord Jesus Christ. And to everything that I've said so far, most of us, I believe this morning, would give a hearty amen. Of course, we don't have many ameners here, so it might be a hearty And then we'll carry on. But whatever it was, I don't, I, don't, I don't perceive in my spirit right now that anybody's like, that's wrong. I disagree with that. Now, of course, some of you, when I, when I mentioned praying, some of, some of you might have, the Spirit of God might have, might have given you a little prick and said, you know, you need to work on your prayer life. And when I, when I mentioned sharing the gospel, some of you might have been like, you know what, I, I need to take more of the opportunities 
that God has given me to share the gospel. I need God to give me eyes to, to see the opportunities. I need to take those opportunities. And, and you might be right about those things. There might be some areas of your life that fall short of looking like you're really treasuring Jesus. I suspect for all, that's probably true for all of us in, in one area or another. But, but nobody would be upset this morning, right, if I preached a sermon on the connection between treasuring Jesus and sharing the gospel of Jesus. Nobody would be mad at me. Nobody would be mad if I preached a sermon on the connection between treasuring Jesus and praying to Jesus and communing with Jesus. But, but there's an area of treasuring Jesus that I didn't mention in that list. And it's, it's an area that Jesus doesn't put at the end of the line of spiritual practices. Instead, he puts it at the front of the line. And it's this. Treasuring Jesus with our treasures. Jesus directly connects our giving and our hearts. Many things can be faked, but generous giving cannot. It's either happened or it hasn't happened. And some people get upset when pastors touch on this topic because it connects so directly to our hearts. And, and by the way, Satan has no interest in the church of Jesus Christ experiencing the victory and the joy that come when we treasure Jesus with our treasures. Pastor J.D. Greer once said this, I guess people assume pastors teach on giving because we want your money. We do not want your money, but God wants us. He continues, some people object to pastors talking about giving precisely because how they spend their money shows that their commitment to Christ is actually a sham. And here's the bottom line, church. For me to let us linger in a sham faith would be a great shame. For some, it might even be an eternal shame. So I'm going to talk about giving over the next four Sundays and its vital connection to treasuring Jesus because I would rather us be a little uncomfortable now than anyone be uncomfortable for eternity. Here's the bottom line. It would be unloving of me to withhold from you the truth that leads to true treasure. So over the next four Sundays, we're going to mine the Word of God. We're going to see what it says about our treasure so that we can enjoy true treasure, the living, Jesus, the living Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to be preaching for the glory of our King, the health of our church, and the advance of the gospel. And I'm going to urge us to examine our lives and take Jesus at His word. And there's likely going to be some challenging moments along the way. But like a good exercise program, the impact and the health of us and our church on the other side is going to totally be worth it. Now, before I go any further, some of you are brand new to North Roanoke Baptist Church. You're, you're a major part of why we are having the Treasure Jesus initiative. North Roanoke, we want to be a church in Roanoke, for Roanoke, that looks like Roanoke, all for the glory of King Jesus. And we have a master plan that our church unanimously approved back in July that's going to help us accommodate the growth and discipleship and ministry that we envision for the future of our church and our our mission throughout the valley. So, so if you're new, listen and enjoy. And, and if, if Jesus makes it clear this is where he wants you to plant your life in, in becoming a disciple and growing in discipleship, then, then we hope you will take part in this initiative. But, but if you're not there yet, just learn. 
Learn from these sermons and apply them wherever God takes you. These sermons are for every Christian in this room and for everyone listening online and in the overflow over in the sanctuary. And, and if you've, maybe you're here and you've been hurt by a church that, that mishandled funds or misappropriated funds and you're learning to trust again, then, then hear me and hear me well. If you can't give to the local church yet, then give somewhere. Don't let that be your excuse to disobey God's command to be a giver. Treasure Jesus somewhere. Now, don't misunderstand. His, his primary conduit for us to give is the local church. So find a ministry that's closely connected with the local church until you can go all in for this church or some other church when you can trust again. But for those of you who would say, and I hope that that's most of us in this room, North Roanoke is my home, then I am asking you from the bottom of my heart to be open to God working mightily in you over the next few weeks. I'm expecting God to destroy some assumptions that some of us have held that have kept us back from the joy of the Lord in the area of generous giving. I'm asking you to expect God to do something, not in your neighbor, not in the lady sitting behind you, but in you. Can, can we agree on that? I, I'm expecting God to do something in me over the next four Sundays. Is that okay? Starting here, but in you as well. Will you join me in that? And then I'm asking you to be ready to respond to what God does no matter what it costs, no matter what it takes. I am desperate for the Spirit to move in our midst. The signs that we are in a pivotal time in the life of our church are all around us. Growth in our preschool, growing student ministry, guests every Sunday, a commitment to unity anchored in God's Word, structuring ourselves to be united rather than divided, increasing diversity in our membership, and so much more. God is on the move. So I hope that in just a month or so from now, at the end of this Treasure Jesus initiative, that we will respond to God's leading and that we will have a clear path, a path to funding the church's full ministry plan, that's the budget, over the next two years, and a plan to fund the first phase of our master plan, which would include consolidating and relocating and renovating and securing our preschool and kids ministries and making this gymnasium much more conducive to worship acoustically and aesthetically. But please don't miss this. These financial goals are not the primary purpose of this initiative. If you look at page six in your resource guide, there is something called a case statement. And there is a list of everything that we hope to accomplish in the next two years. If you don't have this guide, there are some available as you exit for you today. But starting on page 6, there's a list of priorities. But these priorities are a distant second to the main priority. What is the main priority? Your heart. My heart. Jesus is after our hearts, us treasuring Jesus supremely. This initiative is ultimately about our master, not the master plan. So if we grow in our adoration of Jesus and we miss the funding target, big whoop. Jesus will provide what we need. But if we get all that we need financially, but Jesus doesn't get our hearts, then we've failed. 
The big goal is for us going all in for Jesus, for one another, for the next generation, for this valley and the nations together for the glory of God. And if God does that in us, we just might hit the funding target too. And it's a crazy target, by the way. It's insane. We're asking God, would it be possible, might you provide us with $4 million over the next 25 months to fully fund the ministry plan and so that we could launch the renovation of the kids' space in 2025. You say, well, is that going to happen? I don't know. But let's see what God does in our hearts and see where we end up. How about it? You game? So here's how we're going to know where we stand. On November the 13th, we're going to gather in this very room And we're going to make a commitment of our finances in faith to the Lord over the next two years. We're going to make something called a faith commitment. It's not a legally binding contract. Nobody's going to come after you if you can't fulfill it, if your situation changes. But based on what I know and what my income is and the assets that I have, here's what I hope that God will allow me to give over the next 25 months. And everyone who calls North Roanoke home, if everyone who calls North Roanoke home participates, then we'll have a pretty good idea by the middle of November of where we stand and where we're going over the next 25 months. We'll know about how soon we can reasonably launch the first phase of the master plan. And I'm going to lay my cards out up front, church. I know that we need God to do some miracles in the area of generous giving in our lives and in our walk with Jesus. In most churches in the United States, anywhere from 25 to 40 percent of the people who are engaged members give nothing to Jesus through their local church in a year's time. And of those who do give, Many give more to Verizon or to Starbucks in a year's time than they do to advance the mission of God through His church. Add up your Starbucks receipts. Add up what you spend on the mission of God in a year's time. Sadly, many of us are more interested in caffeination than, than in the glory of God. And this reality, church, it burdens me. And it doesn't burden me because the church is impoverished. Not at all. It burdens me because of what it says about our hearts. It burdens me because we're missing out on treasuring Jesus. Brothers, And sisters, God didn't save us to be spectators, but to be sold out servants of His Son. God didn't save us to tip Jesus like He's our waiter, but to treasure Him like we cannot wait to have more of Him because He is where our joy is found. So here's the question I want you to ask yourself, not your neighbor, not your friend, yourself, over the next few weeks. You ready for it? Am I all in on treasuring Jesus? Think of it this way, if you had bacon and eggs for breakfast, both the chicken and the pig were involved in your meal, but the chicken made a donation and the pig was all in. Are you all in for Jesus? 
And, and I know that God can work in our lives in this area for three reasons this morning. Number one, I have seen it happen. I have seen churches upended for the glory of God. I've seen revival break out in churches when, they, when the people of God stopped hanging on to their treasure and they really started treasuring Jesus. Satan doesn't want that to happen in our church, but when it happens, look out, Katie, bar the door, because everything else that you want to see happen, happens after that. You hang on to that, nothing else happens. You let go of that and watch what God does in your life. The second reason that I know it can happen is because it has happened in my own heart. I am speaking to you not only on the authority of God's word, but the authority of my personal experience. I'm not asking you to go anywhere that Stacy and I aren't going with you. We will lead out on this. We will treasure Jesus above our treasures, and we will do it for the glory of God. And I'm asking you to follow us. And finally, I know that it can happen because Jesus says so, which, by the way, is the most important reason. Would you hear with me the word of God, Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 21. Hear with me the word of the Lord. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Would you pray with me? God, please move. Please move your people. Please move me. Move us for the glory of Christ, for the good of the Roanoke Valley, the good of the nations. Spirit of God, move. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Three simple verses, three simple points. The first point is this from verse 19. We must not lay up treasures for ourselves on earth. Why? Because treasure stored here has no enduring value. You believe that? Everything you've got, whatever your balance sheet is, whatever your net worth is, when you take your last breath, that amount on paper has no enduring value if it is stored on earth. In verse 19, Jesus makes an ongoing command. He doesn't say, take five minutes and don't store up treasure on earth. He says, constantly be about not storing up treasures for yourself on earth. Literally, the verb is treasure and the noun is treasure. All right? Treasure not to yourselves treasures. And the reason that Jesus gives for this is that treasures stored up on earth, treasures treasured on earth, no matter how much we amass, they ultimately have no value. Solomon's earthly wealth is now ancient ruins. All the conquests of Alexander the Great now do him no good. Time and again, what one generation amasses, another generation squanders. And if the generation doesn't squander it, then the politicians mess it up. 
Now we know the Lord also tells us that we get wealth from God to enjoy it. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. So some of you are like, Pastor, I can never take a vacation. No, it's not what I said. I can never go on a fishing trip. It's not what I said. It just needs to be thought about within the context of, am I treasuring Jesus? He also gives us wealth to provide for our family's needs. So my kids need to starve so I can give to the church. That, that is also not what I am saying. So how are we to think of what Jesus says in this text? What does he mean? He's, he's warning us, church. He knows that we have a sinful tendency to take our earthly responsibilities and then turn them into excuses for ignoring the eternal implications of what we do with our wealth. We so easily substitute the word needs for wants. Dad, I need a new PlayStation or whatever they're playing video games on these days. It's not a PlayStation, but where's my son? What do you need, son? You need something. Right? We, we don't want anything. I need a Reese cup. I need a, 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 a grande vanilla latte, right, with two Splendas. I need, I need, I need. Jesus understands that we take our wants and we turn them into our needs and we miss out on treasuring Jesus in the process. God gives us treasure as a tangible way of having to be disciplined to orient our lives around the true treasure, Jesus Christ. So Jesus says, don't accumulate treasures for yourself on earth. I love that. To the extent that you heap up treasure, be sure that you're not heaping it up on earth. Jesus is not urging us to put, excuse me, he is urging us to not put our trust or our our identity in treasures stored here. Our confidence is not in our stuff, but in our Savior, because in him and in him alone do we find true riches. Why is that? What happens here? Malls destroy fine linens, rust destroys precious metals, and if anything is left, somebody else comes along and takes it away anyhow. I'm pretty sure that Jesus was talking about income and payroll taxes right there. When he says thieves come in. That was, that was supposed to be a joke. Three of you laughed. But on a real note, Jesus wants us to seek the things above. And that requires breaking us of our addiction to pursuing hope in treasures that will do us no eternal good. Church, your hope is not in your 401k. Your hope is not in your 403B. Your hope is not in the stock market going up. Your hope is not in in a great rate set by the Fed. Your hope is not in your house. It's not in your cars. It's in none of those things. Did you know there are only so many pairs of shoes that somebody needs? I've gone to Medlin now. There are only so many shirts that somebody needs. How many shirts do you have to have? Somebody asked me one time, man, you, you wear pretty much the same thing every Sunday, like just slacks and a shirt. I'm like, that's all I need, slacks and a shirt. I, I, three, or, three or four good shirts. I don't even iron them. I buy wrinkle-free. And I put them in the dryer, and I shake them really good, and I throw them on a hanger. 
simple life. We don't need to be complicated. Did you know there's only so many shades of makeup you need to wash off your face down the drain? Uh oh. There's only so many cars, so many kitchen items. There's only so many tools that you have to have in your garage. There's only so many fishing lures. There's only so many fishing poles. There's only so much stuff that somebody needs. And at some point, it spills over into wants. This is a hard lesson for us to learn, isn't it, church? Before Stacy and I moved to Raleigh for seminary back in 2005, we had two jobs, we had zero kids, and no debt other than our house. Double income, no kids. Have y'all ever heard that? Dinks. We were dinks. Double income, no kids. Man, we, we had the world by the tail. I was on the meteoric path at Virginia Tech, and God said, you're going to go to seminary. What? You're going to be a pastor. Come on, Lord. We did it. But you know what? We had stuff. We had cool stuff. We had stuff I wanted to keep. We had a washer and dryer that was two years old. What are you going to do with a washer and dryer that's two years old? The place we were moving had a washer and dryer. Well, by golly, we're going to keep it. We're going to store it. So we took it to the in-laws' house, and later the in-laws needed that space, and when they needed space, our stuff went to a storage unit. Do you know what happens in storage units? Moth and rust and heat destroy. They devalue what's there. It gets dusty, it gets danky, bugs come in. You know why they got little mouse traps everywhere? Because there's mice everywhere around those places. And years later, when we returned to Roanoke, and, and it was time to get our things out of storage, I was so excited about what's going to be in the storage bin, and I start to open it up, and, and here's what occurred to me in that moment, life lesson. Why in the world did we keep this stuff? We, we should have just had a Jesus yard sale. Some of you need to have a Jesus yard sale. There's only so much we need, church. Our hope is not in things. Our hope is in the King of kings. And if that's true, our relationship with our stuff should look different than our relationship, than the world's relationship with their stuff. All the world knows about is storing treasure here because their hope is here. All they have is an earthly hope. They have a temporary hope. They don't have hope in eternity. So they keep storing it up here. They keep heaping it up here. And then they die. And it does them no good. And the Bible tells us in Ezekiel 7.19. It's a verse that was referenced in your devotion from this week. Here's what the prophet warns us about. If we store up our treasure here. He says, in the day of the Lord. When the Lord returns, listen to what will happen. They cast their silver into the streets. Their gold is like an unclean thing. Their silver and gold are not able to deliver them in the day of the wrath 
of the Lord. The only hope we have in the face of God's wrath is that the wrath that we deserve has already been borne by King Jesus in our place on the cross. And so we adore Him. He is my gold. He is my silver. He is my treasure. He is my wealth. And whatever He wants from me for His glory and the good of people who don't know Him yet, that's what I want to do. Church, Jesus has commanded us, don't treasure treasures to ourselves on earth. And that raises an important question. What then are we supposed to do with the treasures that we have on earth? And I'm so glad that Jesus kept talking. Look at verse 20. But, alright, there's, there's something we should do. I love verse 20. He, he tells us, that we don't treasure treasure to ourselves on earth, but we do treasure treasure to ourselves in heaven. Notice that Jesus doesn't tell us not to store up or treasure treasures. Do you see that in verse 20? Instead, he says, store it up or treasure it in the right place. What is the purpose of treasure? It is to be treasured. It is to be stored up just in the right location. This is good news, right? It means people can love Jesus and make a lot of money. It means people can be, love Jesus and be incredibly talented at building businesses and making a profit. Jesus nowhere says, do not earn treasure. Jesus nowhere says, do not make a profit. Jesus nowhere says, don't work hard and make a good living. Jesus nowhere says, money is evil. To be sure, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, 1 Timothy 6.10. But Jesus assumes that we will have treasures, whether great or small, and that we will store our treasures somewhere. The question is, where are we storing it? The opposite of storing treasures on earth is not to stop storing up treasure. It's to put our treasure in the right place. It's to put it in heaven in the form of heavenly rewards which are not subject to earthly decay. But that raises an important question. How do you store treasure in heaven? Anybody in heaven right now? And some of you are going to go to Ephesians 2 and be like, well, I'm seated in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. Yes, you are. But how do we get earthly treasure into heaven? Y'all with me? Now, I've been wrestling all week with how to illustrate this, and here's the only thing I could come up with. Has anybody traveled internationally and had to exchange your currency? Yeah? You got to go from dollars to pesos or wherever you, rubles or wherever it is you end up. When, when people travel overseas, they often convert their currency to use it in a new destination. Here, here's what Jesus is saying. People who use their treasure to magnify Him now and make Him known now are converting the treasures of this brief life into treasures they can enjoy forever. It is, it is not possible to take one cent of your treasure with you when you die, but it is possible, get this, to send treasure on ahead of you while you live so that you can enjoy it later. Do you want to enjoy your treasure for a brief moment? Or do you want to enjoy your treasure for eternity? The choice is yours. 
The, your smarts, your cars, your land, your house, your work ethic, your benefits, your inheritance, your pension, your everything. Jesus calls us to think about all of it with reference to Him. Provide for your needs, yes. Enjoy life, yes. But the overriding concern of those who belong to Christ is not an early retirement. It's not easy living. It is declaring and proclaiming and enjoying the true treasure of the universe the living Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So rather than storing our stuff where we will lose it and it will do us no eternal good, what does Jesus say? Store it with me! Store your treasure with me. You want to know where your treasure is safe? It's safe with Jesus in heaven. And how do you store your treasure with Jesus? You do it by faith. You have to believe that Jesus is a greater treasure than all of our other treasures combined such that we would gladly release our treasures for the surpassing joy of treasuring Jesus in our hearts. By faith, Jesus takes our treasures and turns them into a currency that is stored up as rewards in heaven. Saving faith is a faith that leads us to release our stuff for the glory of our Savior. Do you believe that? Saving faith is faith that leads us to release our stuff for the glory of our Savior. Jesus is not calling us to a life of convenient contributions. He's calling us to reorient our very lives around Him, the treasure, to store up treasure in heaven. Interestingly enough, look at verse 20, for ourselves. You say, well, that sounds selfish. It's not selfish. How do we store up treasure in heaven? We invest in the kingdom of God such that other people will come to saving faith in Christ and we're going to enjoy that others are there because we gave. Furthermore, we are going to enjoy the presence of Christ in eternity as our treasure. Not one dollar given for the praise of Christ or the discipleship of his church, or the proclamation of the gospel in our valley and around the world will be a loss to anyone who gives believing Jesus is worth it. Do you believe that? Notice I didn't say, if you give to the Treasure Jesus initiative, you're going to get it right back from Jesus. I did not say if you give, you're going to get a Corvette or a job promotion or any of those things. Now, you might... I have heard countless stories of people giving in faith who didn't know how God was going to provide, and then God provided. But the reward that Jesus is talking about in verse 20 is eternal. It is the reward of knowing and enjoying King Jesus forever, along with others who are there, because they dared to treasure Jesus with their very lives. What is the reward? It is Jesus and an expanded and enhanced capacity to know and enjoy Him forever. And I'm excited about the kingdom investments that we are going to make over the next couple of years if the Lord provides. You can see those on pages 7 through 9 in your book. Let me, let me just give you some examples of what I'm hoping we're going to see God do over the next couple of years. Over the next couple of years, if, if the Lord provides uh, in this way, we will give away nearly $300,000 to reach this country and the nations and train the next generation of pastors and missionaries. Did you ever think you'd be a part of a church that invested like that in growing the kingdom? We will host VBS. We will take students to camps and retreats. We will gather to pro 
declare the praise of our king and take care of everything that that entails. Did you know it takes a lot for this to happen every week? Did you know that it takes heating and cooling and lighting and copyrights? Did you know, Brother Paul, thank you, on your birthday, Paul, somebody has to keep a list of all the songs we sing every time that we do them to pay copyright rights to the artist of those songs. There's a whole database and enterprise that's involved in managing all that. Somebody has to put all that together. It takes work and investment to be here, and all that's going to continue to happen as we lean in together and treasure Jesus. Churches, uh, excuse me, God makes disciples in, in healthy churches. And we treasure Jesus by giving for the good of our church and the good of those who still need to know Him. But here's a question. How much should we give? I don't know. Ultimately, that is a matter of the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's between you and Jesus. But I think C.S. Lewis offers a helpful perspective on this. What does it look like to treasure Jesus when he writes this? I am afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, our expenditure on our comforts, our luxuries, our amusements, etc., if our expenditure on our comfort, comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc., is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, does that make sense? If we're living just like the world in the same income bracket of the world, we are probably giving away too little. Listen to this last sentence. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditure excludes them. Jesus said it this way. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. But how can we do this? And why would we do this? Why would we store treasure in heaven? The answer is in verse 21. Do you see it? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Why does Jesus make these commands? It's not to beat you up. It's to give you himself. Jesus has made these commands because he wants to give you something better than money. He wants to give you himself. He wants our hearts. When I preach about generous giving, I sometimes hear, Pastor, it's not about money, it's about hearts. And Jesus says this, you're exactly right. Show me your money and I'll show you your heart. You can't separate the two. They're indivisible according to the living Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see the words right there on the page in verse 21? So what is this last point from verse 21? We must understand that how we store up treasure both reveals and cultivates our heart. Jesus says, give me your checkbook and I'll show you your heart. Give me your calendar and I'll show you your heart. That's the for some of us, that might be the bad news, but here's the good news. It's also the way that Jesus cultivates and trains our heart. You say, wow, I don't like what I see when I look at that. Jesus says, just start treasuring me. 
Don't just say that you treasure me. Just don't believe that you treasure me. Actually physically begin to treasure me and see what I will do in your heart. In verse 21, the little word for means that Jesus is giving us the reason for the two commands in 19 and 20 about treasure. And the reason is twofold. First, We can't have it both ways, church. A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. We can't serve both God and money. Those with hearts fit for heaven gladly store up treasure in heaven. And it's at this point that I suspect that some of us, if we're honest... If we're honest before God right now, we would say, man, I have been living with a wall of separation between my money and my Messiah. I've been living with a wall of separation between what I have and the one that gave me everything. And I just want to ask you, honestly, if that's you, how's that going for you? How's that going? Is your heart pulsing with a white hot fervor for the things of God? Is your heart beating for Jesus truly while you're neglecting treasuring him with your treasure? Jesus has just said, can't happen, it's impossible. But I have good news, and I want to end with good news. So if our worship team could come on forward at this time. We've been given the gift of giving Not only to reveal our heart, but to cultivate our heart. Church, we come alive on the inside when we give as Jesus gave. What did Jesus give? Everything. He gave his all. He became poor so that we could have a share in his riches. And church, when we give like Jesus gave, we begin to treasure Jesus who gave his all. He makes a way through releasing what we possess to possess evermore of Him. So I don't want you to miss verse 21. It's, it's not, only, it, not only a warning light on the dashboard of our lives, but it's also a promise. Read verse 21 as a promise from Jesus. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where's your treasure That's where you will find your heart. Jesus doesn't command us to give our treasure because he needs it. Jesus doesn't need anything from you. He commands you to give your treasure because we need him. So this morning, if your heart has grown cool or perhaps even cold to the king and the kingdom, I don't want you to despair. I want you to seize the moment and the opportunity. Rejoice and take Jesus at his word. Resolve to treasure Jesus who became poor so that we might have him. This morning, if you need to trust in Jesus who gave his life to free you from slavery to your stuff and gave you a way to store it that will never disappoint, then I want to invite you to come and turn from your sin and join us as a family endeavoring to treasure Jesus with all that we are. If you know Jesus and you want to join a church where the people are gracious and willing to listen even to sermons on hard topics because they understand that cultivating a heart for Jesus is more important than being comfortable. You want to be a part of a church like that where we tackle hard stuff? Get on Team North Roanoke. We'd love to have you. And finally, maybe North Roanoke is your home. And maybe... 
as you evaluate the sermon and what you've learned, you would simply say, God, I, I need more of you and less of me. I look at my stuff and I'm attached to it in a way that's not good. Church, we've had a cardiac exam today. And no matter what the test results show, Jesus says there's a way to my heart if you'll release your stuff and embrace the Savior. So our closing prayer for this sermon is not going to be a prayer. It's going to be a song. It's going to be the song, I, Lord, I need you. Church, we need Christ. We need to treasure Jesus. He is the only one who truly satisfies. And I, I trust for some of you this morning, there is a battle waging in your mind and heart right now. Your flesh is like, I'm sick of it. I don't want to hear it. If you say the word treasure one more time, I'm walking out of this room. That's not coming from me. It's coming from our flesh. So here's what we're going to do. As we sing, Lord, I need you, I want you to stand when you're ready to stand. I want you to sing when you're ready to sing. And some of you, I want you to stay in your seat and do battle against your flesh until you're ready to stand up. You say, well, that might take till after we have to move the chairs and put the chairs away. If you need to sit in your chair until 2.30 this afternoon and wrestle with the Spirit of God on this topic, then stay seated. We don't have to put your chair up. But don't leave this place the same. Don't leave this place saying, my, my stuff is my God. Leave this place saying, the Savior is my treasure. And I am open and ready to do whatever He calls me to do because my greatest need is the Lord. Lord, I need you. However God calls you to respond, I pray that you will. For the sake of our King and the good of the nations. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the North Roanoke Podcast. You can connect with us at northroanoke.org or download our app in your device's app store. Just search for North Roanoke. We hope to meet you soon.